Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. We are live at Heinz Ward Tavern 86 out in Cranberry. Be here for the duration of the show. Expecting Heinz Ward to pop on as well. Should be here momentarily. When I was younger, I used to go to all the Steelers basketball games when they would go around from high school to high school and we get your jersey sign my sister would get her jersey sign my parents would be there oh it's a big kick Heinz Ward always friendly to us well one time game's not over my sister wanted to leave early she's got her Heinz Ward jersey on and we're walking off the court she touches his butt grabs Heinz Ward's behind Heinz turns around not to see my sister who walked away but to see me Heinz Ward thought I grabbed his butt you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting next to me here at Tavern 86. Shirtless Tom back in the studio. Got Alex on site here as well. You can follow Tom on Twitter at ButtonPusher970. You can follow Brian at FBomber73. There is a football game this weekend. I know it's all about Le'Veon this, Le'Veon that. The Steelers are terrible for being in his wallet this. The Steelers are terrible for that. We'll get to all that in a second. But I'm worried about the Steelers' chances of winning on Sunday. I know it's the Cleveland Browns. I know that they are 1-31 over the last two years. But they're a much-improved football team. And, oh, yeah, this little thing happened last year. They almost beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in Cleveland, game one of the season. Vance McDonald didn't practice for the Steelers today after being limited yesterday. That means he's not going to play. The offense concerns me. It's usually the defense. Oh, wait, they still concern me. So I'm concerned. If Vance McDonald's not there to play tight end, if Le'Veon Bell's not the running back, and he won't be, and it's James Conner and a whole bunch of also-rans, plus Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, I don't feel as good about their chances going into Cleveland where the crowd's going to be frothing. They're all excited because of hard knocks. I'm not saying the Browns are going to win, but the Browns could win. 412 is the number. Again, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't understand Le'Veon Bell's math. I don't think he's a bad guy. Uh, I understand Le'Veon Bell wants to make as much money as humanly possible. But if Le'Veon Bell was worried about making money before his body crashed out, he'd have it by now, right? Lev made, and let's give me a break here with the math, but Lev made about $12 million last year, $12.5 million on the franchise tag, guaranteed cash. The Steelers offered him, last reported, $33 million guaranteed for the next contract. Had he taken it, he'd have made $45 million by this point. He's sitting out so that he can make the most money possible on his next deal, but the most he'll make... Is going to be 45 guaranteed, I think, because that's what Gurley got as a younger and right now better player. Plus, of course, he'd have made the 12 million last year on the franchise tag. He'll make about 6 million, give or take, if he sits out 10 games. So that's an extra 18 million dollars. Should it be about the money or about making that money quicker? Running backs don't survive in this league for a long time. 
You've got until 30 for the most part, and then you're done. I can't fault him one way or another, but his agent talked about being run till the wheels fall off. He could be running until the wheels fall off with $45 million in his pocket right now. If he gets hurt and his career is over this year, then he'll have made $18 million, and you could forget about the rest. It's why he's sitting out, but math-wise, it doesn't make sense. Because he can still get hurt in the final six games plus the playoffs. It's about now or about the long-term money. He chose playing the long game. Not sure that's so smart for a running back. Is Le'Veon Bell the most hated superstar to leave Pittsburgh? He hasn't left yet, and I guess the rest of that chapter can still be written. If the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year and Le'Veon Bell comes back to play the final six games plus the playoffs and he's all fresh and he rushes for 200 yards a game and they vanquish the hated Patriots, then, yeah, okay, he's going to go out on the shoulders of his teammates as opposed to being hit on the back of the head with a shovel. But let's pretend that doesn't happen. Is Le'Veon Bell the most hated superstar to leave Pittsburgh? Yager said he was dying alive. That was offensive both to the team, the franchise, and the fans. Bonds was a jerk. Bell hasn't won a championship. But I think he'll be the guy who will be ripped the most because people care the most about the Steelers, and the way things have gone down don't sit well with Pittsburghers. You think Joe and Blonox has sympathy for Le'Veon Bell, who's sitting out and losing $900,000? A game? A week? Yeah, I don't think so. For me, it's not so much about that. For me, it's about the way he's handled it with his teammates. Marquise Pouncey spoke yesterday, and he said that he was upset because he really thought Le'Veon Bell would show up. And he said, quote, because of texts I got, end quote. That leads me to believe Le'Veon Bell said, yeah, buddy, it's all good. It's all right. We'll be fine. We ain't fine. It ain't all right. You ain't here. The Steelers don't care about the money. I'm talking about the players. They don't care about the money aspect. They get the money aspect. They don't get the lying aspect. And fans especially don't get the lying aspect. So who do you like least? Yamir Yager? Barry Bonds? Or Le'Veon Bell? I'm only putting Yager on there to have the trifecta. I don't think he belongs. But is it Bonds? Is it Bell? 412-922. 2874. The Steelers' players did not make Mike Tomlin look good yesterday, I don't think. Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert have talked openly about distractions and how they're trying to limit distractions. Well, Marquise Pouncey speaking his mind doesn't limit the distraction. Anybody on that offensive line speaking about this doesn't limit the distraction, at least the perceived distraction. And anytime any of this stuff goes down, Anytime there's not a kumbaya moment in the locker room where everyone's holding hands and singing and dancing with each other, it always seems to fall on Mike Tomlin. He's got to get these guys together. I don't think you can blame Tomlin. These guys are emotional human beings. When I get lied to, I flip out. When you get lied to, you probably flip out too. And it's one thing for Burt Lawton the head of Steelers Communications and Public Relations, to walk in there and say, guys, we're not talking about this. Not that I know he did. And it's another thing for the players to listen. It's one thing for Mike Tomlin to say, guys, I don't want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. It's another thing for them to listen. When Marquise Pouncey is getting pestered by the media, minute after minute, for five minutes, getting asked the same questions over and over again, he's going to crack. Ramon Foster's going to crack. All these guys are emotional. They're humans. They understand 
what they're saying, but they want to say it anyhow because they're mad, they're pissed, they're allowed to be, they're human. So I don't blame Mike Tomlin. It does not reflect well on him, though. Should Demurry Smith be angry with the Steelers' locker room? He's the head of the National Football League Players Association. I'm sure he's not thrilled with Ramon Foster in the stance that he took. But I think that all got blown out of proportion. I've been fighting with the national media on Twitter for the last 24 hours about their understanding and their read of the situation. And I think DeMarie Smith might have to do right by his union to say something, but he should know what he's talking about first. A lot of these national folk, a lot of these former players, they don't seem to know what they're talking about. Uh, What I hear is Le'Veon Bell's holding out. Well, no, not really. A holdout is like what Heinz Ward did in 2005. I want more money. I'm not going to show up to training camp for a couple of weeks. And the Steelers, in good faith, said, why don't you show up and we'll do the contract. And Heinz said, okay, and then he's there. That's a holdout. That's what a holdout is. You're trying to get something from somebody else. Le'Veon Bell's not trying to get anything from the Pittsburgh Steelers because, according to the CBA, they can't give him anything more. Uh, He's going to make $14.5 million this year prorated to whenever he shows up that's a fact they can't give him anything else so when maurice jones drew is out there spewing nonsense on nfl network saying oh pay the guy the money they should pay him they can't you dill hole they can't when you've got jarvis landry who plays for the cleveland browns saying the steelers need to fix this by paying him they can't you dill hole former players current players they all want to stick up for their guy and i get that but they don't get what they're talking about. So let's make sure DeMarie Smith gets it right before he goes out there on a limb. The other thing that I keep hearing is that the Steelers are mad because the players are. I should continue to repeat that. The players are mad in the Steelers' locker room because Le'Veon Bell's trying to make a bunch of money. No, he's not mad because they're tr- he's tr- they're not mad because he's trying to make a lot of money. They're mad because he lied about his intentions. The intention to be here, whether or not the contract stuff got figured out. And, of course, it couldn't get figured out. So I think the Steelers were more mad about the line. I used this analogy on the show yesterday and on my Steelers Nation radio show. When Rachel's mad at Ross, that's right, we'll go with the Friends reference here. When Rachel's mad at Ross, yeah, she's mad that Ross slept with the Xerox girl. She's mad about that. How could you not be? But the thing that really ticked her off the reason that they went on the break the reason why they ended their relationship was because ross is running around everywhere trying to tell joey and chandler and gunther down at central park hey i didn't do that as far as you know don't tell her it's the lie that pissed her off you can be mad about both but the lie is going to make you more angry the lie is what made marquise pouncey angry the lie is what made ramon foster angry it's not about the money. So for everyone saying stay out of their pockets, that's not what's happening. Will Graves going to join us today at 520. Chris Adamski at 420. Might have to shift some things around depending on when Heinz Ward pops in because we are at Heinz Ward Tavern 86. Great food, good atmosphere, 40 TVs where you can come and watch sports. The NFL season kicks off tonight, baby. We got ball tonight. I mean, we had college football last weekend, but we got real ball tonight. Tell you what, I don't think Nick Foles can beat the Falcons. 
Kidding. He beat him in the playoffs last year. I think Steelers fans believe that all this nonsense, all this drama doesn't matter this week because it's the Browns. I get the feeling that they say, it'll be okay. It's Cleveland. They're 1-31 over the last couple of years. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. I've seen it before. When Mike Pettin was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, they got off to a hot start. They were 6-2, and two, and then they wound up not making the playoffs, which is the most Cleveland thing possible. But to get to 4-2, and two, they had to beat the Steelers at home in Cleveland. And the dog pounds going berserk. It was the coronation. Finally, we're there. Give us the crown. We're beating their butts back. It's AFC North football, and we're taking it from you. And the crowd's frothing, and the Steelers lose 31-10. to 10. Last year, crowd's frothing. They're coming off of a 1-15 season. They want to prove themselves. And they push the Steelers to the brink. Steelers beat them by three. You don't have Le'Veon Bell. You're not going to have Vance McDonald. You haven't seen enough from T.J. Watt because he's been banged up to know that he's going to be an effective player. The defense has a billion question marks. Terrell Edmonds going to get his first start at safety alongside Sean Davis, who himself is inexperienced at safety. Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the football over. Jarvis Landry can get open. Josh Gordon can get open. Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb are a formidable backfield for the Cleveland Browns. Their offensive line is much improved. Miles Garrett can get after Ben Roethlisberger. This is not going to be an easy game, people. Coming up next, we talk to Chris Adamski about all that. We got Heinz Ward later on in the program. We are live at Tavern 86 in Cranberry. Come on by, watch the ball game tonight. Come on by and see us before then. You're listening to The Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Live at Heinz Ward Tavern 86, it is the Crowley Show. Come on by. Hang out with us, drink a few beers, watch football tonight as the Falcons and the world champion Philadelphia Eagles open the season. That still sounds odd to me. I forgot, in fact, Carson Wentz not going to play in this game. He did not play in the Super Bowl. He did not play the last time Atlanta played the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, The Steelers got a big one on Sunday. They're all big, but this one seems huge. You want to see James Conner have a big game. That'll kind of help the distraction aspect of all this. And, of course, you want to see the Steelers get a win. If they don't, oh, my. I mean, my show will be fun. It's better for me, but, oh, my, if the Steelers don't beat the Cleveland Browns. Joining me now to discuss everything that's gone down the last couple of days and to look ahead to the Cleveland Browns is our buddy from the trip. He is Chris Adamski. Uh, Adamski, Brownies. On Sunday, they're a little bit more formidable, I think, than people realize. They scare me a little bit if I'm a Stillers fan. Yeah, for a team that's lost at 34 out of 35, which is absurd when you put it in those terms. They're due, um, man. They're due. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? You're right. The recipe of, I don't know if I'm just in my old age becoming an anarchist now or what, but, but if they lose this game because of everything leading up to it and the potential... Uh, you know, who knows what reactions from what people and from Le'Veon Bell's agent and all that. If they happen to lose to the one in thirty-four Cleveland Browns over the past two point, you know, two and a quarter seasons, um, it might not even be have anything to do with 
you know, James Conner could have a big game, the defense could just stink, or whatever it is, whatever might the recipe that caused it might not be attributable to Bell not being there. But if they lose this game to the Browns, if you could just watch everything burn, I think. At least people wouldn't be able to cite that the Steelers lost to an under 500 team on the road because the Browns <laughs> would be coming in at 0-0, zero and zero, and they would be one of the undefeated teams, one of the 16 <laughs> undefeated teams in football after that point. Uh, I think Miles Garrett is an absolute stud, Chris, and uh, I expect him to maybe not have his way with Alejandro Villanueva, but I expect him to affect the game in a positive fashion for Cleveland. I think that's a net win for the Browns. And I worry a little bit about that because you don't have Le'Veon Bell back there, who's one of the best blocking backs in the league. Uh, James Conner's not exactly adept at it. You're not going to have Vance McDonald, it doesn't look like. So I worry about Ben Roethlisberger taking a little bit of a beating. And I guess you take what I said earlier about the the, the perfect storm of a bad scenario. Ben, what if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt early in game one of the season and instead of having Landry Jones to insert in the game, they have to go to Josh Dobbs to put in the game. Uh, so just... <laughs> Let's just pick the overall worst-case scenarios for everything leading up to the situation uh, that's fallen one way or another and for it to have, uh, to have the worst possible outcome. Um, yes, having Miles Garrett uh, rushing Ben Roethlisberger's blind side when there's no backup quarterback on the team with an NFL snap to his resume uh, would also fall under that category. Chris Adamski joining us here from the trip. I'm kind of salivating thinking about all that. I, I, I guess I don't <laughs> want it to happen. Yeah. If it did, it wouldn't be the worst thing for the talk radio biz, certainly not this show. Uh, Adamski, when you were in the Steelers' locker room, the reaction from the players, was it about Le'Veon Bell not being there, or is it because they thought he was going to be there and then wasn't there? I think that's what they're more upset about. Yeah, I think it was, you know, listen, they, they have had his back through a lot of different things that he's done. You know, the level of you want to blame him for his the missteps and the reasons he missed game over the years, you know, without going into the debate of each one, but he suspended twice. Um, there was the the uh, walkthrough incident. Um, there's, there's been, you know, he didn't show up for camp last year. He didn't show up for camp this year. Um, through that entire time, I can't recall even one time where a player didn't have his back, didn't support him. Yep. You know, lukewarm at times, I get it, but they, nobody ripped him for sure. Nobody did anything that did that. Even on Monday, so 48 hours before this, it was the same thing. The company line was the same way um, about their teammate. I, so that leads me to believe, and, and there's even, you know, references to it, both on the record and off, that that they expected him to be here this week, the opening game. Uh, you know, they knew his position, what he does, and it worked out last year well enough. I think he, he took a step back last year, whether it's because he's hit camp or not, probably not. But um, that if he showed up for week one, then everything was fine. So when he didn't come Monday, even Monday, we, you know, a couple of reporters were remarking that it was kind of surprising how much they were still universally behind him. So when Everything went the other way, and it's not even really everything. We're talking about you know, what three guys: um, DeCastro, the Foster, and uh, Pouncey. Uh, you know, that's three pretty important guys, three veteran guys, three of your you know leaders and highest paid players, and all that. So I get it. You know, no a rookie's not going to rip them or anything like that. But you know, if, if they turn on him for that, so they expect him to be there. So I, it was more the community, and they both referred to it: Foster and Pouncey, both that, that they didn't. If Le'Veon would have told them from the beginning, I'm not coming until this date, or I don't know when I'm coming, but I I think the fact that he sort of went dark on them, sort of offended them personally, maybe more so than not showing up.
Chris Adamski joining me here on the Crowley Show. Have you been surprised at the lack of knowledge from national people on this conversation? Uh, I have, and I haven't been able to hold my disdain on Twitter. I'm quote tweeting and ripping everybody because they keep calling it a holdout. They keep saying pay the Steelers. You can't. It's not. And you're not getting anything from them. Uh, the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow it. He's going to make $14.5 million prorated for whatever time he shows up. Uh, it's just it, it's not as cut and dry as they're making it out to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the terminal. We actually had a discussion about whether you could term it even to hold out even when the regular season begins, and still can't technically. Um, he doesn't have a contract. The, the interesting to me is essentially what this is. And I, you know, if if his agent is good, they would have. Uh, and I'm not saying. I'm just saying maybe he has. You would do a, a benefit analysis. The stop horse would definitely do this, right? You would take the percentage yes. of chances of you getting hurt in every week. You take the percentage of, of, of what your, your odds of what you're going to get. You know, you get $40 million guaranteed coming on March 8th. Math. And, and whatever it might be. And, and you take that number that you're going to think you're going to get, and then you take – so that's what he's doing. He's paying $855,000 a week as an insurance policy against – the difference of what he would make this year and what he'll make in the bonus next year. Does that make sense? So if it's forty million, what's thirty million? Let's go and let's let's put the difference. Thirty million opposed to fifteen million he's making this year, that's fifteen million dollars of insurance policy you're paying eight hundred and fifty five thousand dollars a week for. Does that make sense? You don't get hurt during those weeks. I feel like I feel like you're Carl Nassib, and I am the rest of the Browns <laughs> defensive line and you're just writing it on the whiteboard and I have no freaking clue. What the hell you're talking about? I tried to do the same thing in the first segment uh, to my own uh, disappointment, but not surprise. Uh, it did not go the way that I wanted it to go. Uh, Chris Adamski joining me here on the Crowley Show. Okay, let's fast forward now to the game itself. James Conner is going to be the dude. I think he can be that guy if he stays healthy. The problem is James Conner has been a durability risk in the past. Yes, he had cancer at Pitt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the knee injuries at Pitt. I'm talking about him missing time last year preseason and during the regular season. I think he's good enough. I wonder how long he'll be able to be good enough. Yeah, that, that to me, that's almost a bigger concern than what he can do, especially over a short term. You know, my last short term, I mean, let's say up, up to a half a season, one game up to eight games or something. Um, is is the door? I don't know if he can make it through. He don't know if he's proven it yet. Now, that's the age old thing. Is it fair and unfair? Injury prone. Is it fair to pile on to Vance McDonald, who seems to just get injury after? I mean, he's been injured at least five times in, in the uh, 12 months he's been a Steeler. He hasn't played more than 13 games in his time with San Francisco. He's been hurt a lot. I mean, is it fair to label him injury prone? Is this a string of bad luck? I don't know. But yeah, that's something. Uh, you know, Connor was getting hurt during camp last year, camp this year. Uh, you know, he, he could, what did he get? 26 carries last year, and he ended up getting yep. hurt in week, week there, week 15. It's a legitimate, you know, until he proves that he, he can, that that is definitely a worry. I, I think that universally, um, you know, everybody who has been at camp and, and watched this team thinks it's a different James Conner. I don't know if you ask us all. I can think for everybody, of course, but, you know, I talk to you sometimes. But, uh, you know, James Conner, if you would have asked me in June and July or early July, if he was ready to be a, you know, be the bell cow for a week or six weeks or whatever it might be, I would have been real skeptical. I feel a lot better about his on-field ability now um, than I did in last season or before this season began. But yes, the durability is a is a giant sort of flashing red light now, and, and maybe he'll prove everybody wrong, and maybe he'll get through it. But until that happens, there's going to be questions about it. 
Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. We're live at Heinz Ward Tavern 86 out in Cranberry. Bunch of TVs. Come on by, hang out with us, drink some beer, and, of course, watch the game tonight between the Eagles and the Falcons. Uh, Chris, I think the prognosis for the Steelers' season uh, is not as good now without Le'Veon Bell. I don't think I'm breaking any news there, but I had them as an 11- or 10-win team before this. I think they're a playoff team, but I worry about whether or not they can win the division. And I know people aren't exactly high on the Bengals or the Ravens. I actually think the Bengals are going to be pretty all right. So I'm worried about it. How do you see the season shaping up if Le'Veon Bell's not here until, let's say, week 11? Yeah, the interesting part, too, is, I mean, the Steelers, by their own, but in fact, they're willing to pay him the franchise tag and have it yanked it and offer him the tender and everything, or are willing to give him, you know, close to 10% of their salary cap, or approaching that anyway. Or, uh, to, to, in other words, they, they're willing to pay him as if he is a valuable player who would, you know, affect their chances to win. Yes, they good. absolutely feel yeah. like they need this guy. Yeah. There's no doubt. They're yeah. not saying it today, but they said it by the way their money was speaking. Exactly. So they believe that he is an important part of the team, and, and that's we're going to find out. I still think without him for an entire season, I, I still would probably maybe say the Steelers are the best team in the division, but it, it, it's not a shut-and-dry case, that's for sure. It's open and shut-and-dry. Shut wow, well, I just combined two. You whatever did. It is. You that, did. That's, that's awful. I, I, that was uh, whatever it is, open and closed and dried and Cutting, whatever I'm trying to say. Cut and dry. Uh, Let's go. Get it out, Nadamski. That, that they're as good as the, or they still could be better than Baltimore and, and, and Cincinnati and certainly Cleveland. But I, it, it's, it makes the, the margin a lot, lot thinner. And if you know, you maybe you could buy, maybe you still beat Cleveland. They're still a young team in week one, and until he, even when he shows up. But I, I don't know if, uh, if they are. And that, that's all I'm at. You know, winning your division matters more than you know where you rank in the AFC and then you get in the playoffs and. Take your take your shot, and I still think they can win the division without Bell or with Bell for half a season or whatever it is. But it, it's it's certainly not it's, it removes any of the uh, the advantage they probably had over those their competitors in the division. Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. Last couple of things uh, with him. Uh, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. He'll be good to go. Juju Smith-Schuster. I think the Steelers have faith in him. James Washington had a good training camp, OTAs, mini camp, rookie camp, everything you want to see from him. Does he look healthy out there on the practice field? Does he look like a guy uh, who can be willing and able to help week one? Yeah, you, you like to think that. The Steelers do this, I, I feel like they, you know, this pre-existing injury in week one, because they always they usually have a clean injury report on week one. Uh, and, you know, all these guys were hurt, like, just a week earlier, and all of a sudden they're not even, you know, even a full participant, whatever, they didn't put them on there. So officially, uh, you know, they're saying 100% he's fine, whatever. And, and that's officially all you can probably say. However, you know, I don't see any reason to think that uh, Washington can't be, uh, you know, what they – now, remember, he's still going to be a third receiver. He's still a rookie. As, as, as good as he looked objectively all throughout camp and preseason, I don't know, you know, what that is. But they're only asking him to be a third receiver. Um, I think he can fill that role for them, yes. And, and I don't – to be quite frank, I don't know – you know, I don't know if you want Justin Hunter or Darius Abel Bay, or I don't know, you know where else you go in the depth chart to, to, to fill that spot. Right. Uh, last couple things again for you, Chris. Uh, defensively, it looks like Terrell Edmonds is going to get the start on Sunday because Morgan Burnett might not be all the way up to speed. What do you like about this guy? Uh, I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for because they thought he was a reach in the draft. I thought that even at the time. Then I've seen him play, and I think he needs to be on the field. I'm excited about seeing him. 
Yeah, whether or not he was taken too high or not, you know, whatever. He could be a second-round pick, and, you know, Sean Davis started as a second-round pick rookie. That's irrelevant at this point. I, yes, I think he's I think he's proven. I was skeptical at first, too, uh, but I think he's shown that he is playing. You know, there, there might be, you know, just like all of the rookies, some sort of uh, uh, you know, adjustment period, uh, growing pains, as they might say. Uh, but, I, you know, looking back at the remember, T.J. Watt last year had two sacks and interception in his debut. Right. And I know they're different positions. I'm not going to compare them or whatever. And, you know, Artie Burns didn't play too much two years ago in his debut, but he was starting by the middle of the season. And it's almost like one of those things where, and I know Morgan Brennan hasn't been here yet, so we don't know exactly what to expect out of him here, but it's like he's almost a safe play. And, and you know, how this shakes out, that's the most fascinating thing to me, is if we see more of the the famed, it's become like the, the, the mystery dollar now or, or whatever packages they use, you know, whether you die more often or what they do, um, whether it's just one the or the peso. other. But, but seeing Edmonds, it, it's, not, it's not the safe play, but it's probably it's the, certainly the higher ceiling play. And maybe roll them out there, see what you can do. And uh, if it starts to go badly, then you, then you go back to Burnett more. Adamski, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Adam. Be good. That's Chris Adamski from the Trib coming up next. Someone died. I'll tell you who it was. Are we allowed to use that as a tease? I'm going to anyhow. Am I allowed to? Probably not. Yeah, you can. I can use it as a tease? Yeah. Okay, very good. Sure. Up next. Actually, it's a good tease. Who the hell is it? Someone died. Oh, no. I'll tell you who. Uh-huh. Next, Crowley Show. He's not the brightest guy in the room, but he is the cheapest. I love lamp. I love lamp. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Watch out, 20. About 16 miles this side of Mississippi. Whoa, hold it. I just passed another Kojak with a Kodak. This place is crawling with bad. Where the hell are you? Come back. I'm still trying to get rid of that Texas County Mountie. I don't know what the hell he wants. You know what he wants. I mean, how would you like to be the dude that handcuffs a legend? <laughs> Listen, give me five minutes. We're going to put some moves on that mother. I'll meet you at Old Miss. Well, you better hurry or we can just kiss that money goodbye. You understand that? I'll read you loud and clear. 10-4. Breaker, breaker, one, now we got a 20 on the Adam Crowley Show live from Heinz Awards Tavern 86. Watch out for the baby bears, mama bears, papa bears, Kodaks with Kojaks. I did that backwards. And city kitties. Get that pedal to metal. Come on back. If you haven't heard already, I'll break it to you right now. Burt Reynolds dead at the age of 82. We'll get back into the Steelers. Heinz, we're going to join us live from Tavern 86 coming up in about 17 minutes here on the Crowley Show. But we got to talk about Burt Reynolds for a minute or two. I have never been a big Burt Reynolds guy, and I get smacked in the face for that uh, all the time. I want to smack you in the face right guy. now. That's the worst part not of my day, finding guy. that out. Yeah. Crowley, what was your favorite Burt Reynolds movie? I don't know. Didn't have one. Name some movies. I don't know. I don't know. So we went through. Did, uh, did you see uh, Smokey and the Bandit? No. Did you see Cannonball Run? I have not. <sighs> you've well, seen... that's only two. I mean, he's probably been in more than two movies, right? Well, you've seen Mystery Alaska. Oh, of course. I, I have seen Mystery Alaska. Did you yes. know that was Burt Reynolds in that movie? No idea that that was Burt Reynolds. Not a clue. In fact, I still don't know which character was Burt Reynolds from Mystery Alaska. I have seen The Longest Yard. Rumor has it he was in that, too. He was. The remake, he was in that. Is he in the old one? No. Or is no. he the old well, one? Well, he's in the, in the one? old one, but in a different role. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm just confused. I've seen the new one with Adam Sandler. Maybe I'm not the guy to talk about Burt Reynolds on the day he Man, died. If I could, Burt Reynolds was absolutely the epitome of cool. Oh, I know. Like, dude, like, really, if you were Burt Reynolds, you're pulling. 
if you know what I mean. Question for you guys. How close to his death do you think he banged a woman? Like, how close to him dying do you think he had sex with a woman? Let me put it this way. He's probably gotten that more than me post-mortem than I have in my entire life. Like, he's still going right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I think there was probably someone on top of him at the time, and then as he flatlines, it's still happening. And therefore, it is post-death coitus. There's a freaking line. Do you think cross it? No, no, you didn't cross the line. I mean, there's a line at Burt Reynolds. Oh, okay, I see. (laughs) Do you think as he's flatlining, as she's riding him, it, like, brings him back to life a little bit? Almost like they're shocking him. That doesn't work that way, Tom. It doesn't work that way, Tom. Now now you've gone too far. That's 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 disgusting. In fact, that is disgusting. It was an innocent question. You just went right past it and turned it into dirty. I got people now hitting me up on Twitter saying his plastic surgery was awful. Are we, is this what we're going to do now? We're going to kick dirt on Burt Reynolds? Are you serious? Uh, you can't be doing that. The man's dead. Have some respect. Tom, you were saying during the break that usually celebrity deaths don't hit you very hard. You said this one does what? I, I asked you that actually during the break. I don't know why this is bothering me so much. <laughs> I turned it around back on you. Answer the question. You've got to know. You've got to have an idea. I don't know why. I usually don't care. In fact... I, I go the other way. When celebrities die, I'm just kind of like, well, whatever. But for this one, I can't get over it. Like, I'm I'm too, not man. even into the show today, to be honest, because of this death. Dude, Bert's done some great stuff, man. Like, if, the, he was the in deliverance. You watch, yeah, he was in deliverance. See that? Was it? No. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, but, like, Smokey the Bandit, he was the picture of cool. He had the Trans Am man, the cowboy hat, Sally Field. Way, way hot in her day. You know, and she's sitting shotgun with a, I Sally mean, dude, Field was still hot in, dude, an epic movie. Yes, I'm sorry, Tom. Sorry for your loss. Cannonball I, run I, I about a big race. I can't add anything. It's a race across I the can't country. Add anything. How can you not watch that? I can't that? add anything. I haven't seen it. When he, I'm sorry, I'm sure he's a great guy. When he walked across that field in the Longest Yard remake and looked Adam Sandler, Paul Reckon crew in the eye and said, "I'm Nate Scarbo. I'm going to coach your team." I, goosebumps yeah. every oh, single time. Oh, he was time. the old guy coach. Yes. yes, he was the coach in Mystery Alaska too. The old guy coach. The old guy coach. Yeah, he's a good old guy coach. Yes, he's been old for a while then, huh? I wonder how many children that mustache has. I'm sure it's given a lot of rides. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Favorite Burt Reynolds movie if you want to go that route. And if not, that's okay because I can't add to the conversation whatsoever. I'm worried about the Steelers secondary because I think Burt Reynolds, as the old guy, has more experience than most of the players that they had in the secondary. The defense has talent, but it has had talent the last few years. Offensively, now without Le'Veon Bell, I'm worried that they're going to get off to a slow start. Now, they got off to one last year. First eight games of the season, the Steelers scored 21 points a game. That's awful. That is not anywhere near where they wanted to be. They wanted to be at 30. That's the highest mark in the league. The Los Angeles Rams scored 30 points a game. That's nine off. That's an offense with Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown. You had Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, they weren't all commodities at that point. You didn't know what you were going to get from Martavis Bryant. You didn't know what you were going to get from Juju Smith-Schuster. You didn't know what you were going to get from Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell had not been there in camp. So they got off to that slow start. And I started thinking about this year. Why is it going to be any different? Because James Conner's been getting reps? Yeah, sure, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. Vance McDonald didn't practice today. I doubt he's going to play in the game on Sunday. Hasn't been practicing very much at all. Missed all of training camp. I don't think he's going to play. 
So you remove that known commodity from the offense. You remove the all-pro running back. Antonio Brown will be fine. Ben, you'd think, will be fine. Juju Smith-Schuster, you'd think, will be fine. But James Washington, I don't know about him. I don't know. I, I saw enough of him in minicamp and OTAs to think he's going to be a pretty good player. I, I saw enough of him at training camp to know he's going to be a pretty good player. But how does the regular season bright lights affect him? How does he perform in Cleveland in that hostile, as Mike Tomlin says, environment? I think the Steelers struggle not only in Cleveland, but I'm afraid that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going to have the season that many people think they will. They were 13-3 and last year, and it felt like a fraud 13-3. and and I know that sounds ridiculous if you're a Browns fan. You go 0-16, Steelers go 13-3, and and I bitch and moan about their record not being matching with their play. But they didn't. They won a bunch of games by a one-score margin. That's one of the big predictors when you're trying to determine which teams are going to go from great to not so great. Were they good in one-score games? If they were, well, maybe they're not going to be as good in one-score games the next time around. The Raiders, two years ago, they won nine games by one score. Nine. Last year, they weren't a playoff team. The Steelers are better than that. But I don't think that they're going to go 8-2 and two in one-score games. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think that the Steelers would have already dropped to 11-5 and five or 10-6 and six just by regression of the mean. They didn't remind me of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles went 13-3, and and they were dominant. They beat the snot out of people. Then they wound up going on to win the Super Bowl. The Steelers, they go 13-3. and They're sliding by their opponents. Their defense is getting obliterated down the stretch. And then they go into the playoffs, and they don't slide by the Jags because their defense does get obliterated. This doesn't strike me as a 13-3 and team. It strikes me as paper champions last year, as frauds. And I think now this year thinking they're going to be an 11-win team or a 10-win team. Now, without Le'Veon Bell for perhaps 10 weeks, why would I not think that they're a 9-7 type football team? The Steelers were willing to pay Le'Veon Bell $33 million of guaranteed money. They were willing to pay him $70 million over five years. They believe he is necessary to their success. So without him, they're not going to be as good. And if they weren't going to be as good as they were last year, and now they're not going to be as good as they were going to be with Le'Veon Bell, they're fighting for their playoff lives. I don't think they're going 6-0 and in the division again. The division last year was pus. Not good. You had the Browns at 0-16. You had the Ravens failing to make the playoffs. You had the Bengals. <laughs> what a bleep show they were. But this year it's different. Cincinnati's got a good offensive line now. And they've got all kinds of weapons. Joe Mixon is going to be a stud. Horrendous human being. Will be a stud. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the league in A.J. Green. They've got a great tight end. They've got weapons. They've got Tyler Boyd, pains me to say, pit product. They've got all kinds of weapons on the offensive side, and their defense might be one of the best in the entire National Football League. They're structurally sound. They're good against the run. They can get after the quarterback. Carl Lawson is a great pass rusher, a young pass rusher. The Steelers aren't going to see the AFC North roll over and let them take it again this year. All of these things make me think the Steelers' season isn't going to end so super. We thought the Steelers would be a Super Bowl contender. Bovada just released their odds. In fact, today has the Steelers the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Are they not paying attention? I mean, how is that the case? You got Ben, you got AB. Okay, you've had Ben and AB the last four years. 
How are you saying the Steelers are the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl? I realize a lot of that is trying to get people to bring money in to Vegas and put money down on the Steelers, but I don't look at this football team as one that is right now a Super Bowl contender without Le'Veon Bell. That might sound harsh, but we've been waiting for years for the defense to turn the corner. Every single year we wait for the defense to turn the corner. Four years ago, they're young, they'll get better at the end of the season. They didn't. Three years ago, they're young, they'll get better at the end of the season. They didn't. Two years ago, they got 36 put up on them by the Patriots. They didn't get better. Now last year, they get 45 hung on them at home, 38 of which are offensive points. They're not good enough. 4129222874. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Heinz Ward from Tavern 86 out here in Cranberry. Get his thoughts on Le'Veon Bell, but going to be good to catch up with him. It's Crowley Show.